from a few different passages here tonight, starting in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This was not a part of the notes or outline that I felt the Lord originally gave me for tonight, but he impressed this verse on my spirit, and I want to start here and, and read this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I just want to point out to you a few things from this verse. First of all, who is it that's supposed to do the cleansing? We are. Let us cleanse ourselves. I wonder how many times it's our prayer, Lord, why aren't you cleansing me? Why aren't you making me clean, Lord? Why aren't you washing and, and scrubbing all these parts of me? No, it says here, let us cleanse ourselves. And then the, the word filthiness is the word that I felt the Lord put into my spirit as I was praying here before service. And... The word filthiness, if you just do a quick study into that word, it, it traces all of it, it, its meaning and its root word back to um, the word black, but not so much the color. It's more like blackness. Um, and then it actually talks about st a stain. So every time that we see the, that word and words with that root word, it has to do with a stain, or oftentimes it's the word defiled. So something, once something is defiled, it is stained. And the filthiness is it's talking about the result, but it's also talking about the action that caused the result. So when the scripture says for us to cleanse ourselves of filthiness it's saying well you don't just take a bath and then go and get dirty again no you cleanse yourself from the action that is causing the dirtiness does that make sense you've got to get that washed away you've got to get it actually taken care of cleanse ourselves from the actions that we are doing that are making us stained or defiled. Now let me just also point out while we're here, because I will be honest in my own thinking and quoting of this scripture in my mind, I really just said the phrase uh, in my head, filthiness of the flesh. But that's only part of it here. It says, cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Most of us live a life that to all others and outside uh, people looks like we are living holy, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If you just look on the outward appearance of, of us, we see, well, they're doing good. They're, they got their act together. They're, they're acting right, talking right, dressing right, appearing right. Well, all of that stuff is the flesh. And that's only part of this phrase. 
So you've got to cleanse yourself of filthiness of the flesh and spirit. My, oh, my spirit could be so dirty, so unclean, so filthy, and not a single person know it because you all don't see spirit. And we don't see spirit. We just usually encounter flesh, and then maybe sometimes we're left with a little bit of an impression about a person, but we're, we're pretty good, I, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, at trying to make a good impression on other people. I want you to see this about me. I want you to think this about me. And so I can put that uh, portrayal of myself out and then hide what could be the spirit and filthiness of the spirit. Now, I just feel like the Lord wanted us to start here because he's going to, I believe he's going to give us some some practical things to help us through his word tonight. But as we talk about and read about what we're going to uh, see tonight, keep this in your mind that it's going to help me if I allow it to. The, the word and, and what the Lord wants to do is going to help me make sure I'm cleansed inwardly and outwardly, or as the scripture might say, throughout inwardly and outwardly cleansed of the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. I want you to look at, let's see, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans 12, 18. If it be possible... Now, you've got to love it when the Lord gives you a qualifier like that. If at all possible. Now, you're going to have to start by making the case of why it's not possible if you're not going to do what it tells you to do. It says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Everybody say, all men. Not just the ones that look like you, act like you, talk like you, fall in the same age bracket as you, have the same tax status as you. No, it says all men. Not the ones that have the same zip code, area code, or passcode, or any other code. No, all men. If it's possible, as much as you can, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. This is a key to what the previous verse says, live peaceably with all men. I cannot live peaceably with men that I am trying to get even with. And with the help of the Lord, I think he's going to show us some of these Maybe even each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, some people that I have to put effort into living peaceably with. There's a person that came in off the street tonight and I had never seen them before, didn't know anything about them. I might have an easier time entering a peaceable relationship with them 
than if somebody from my past walked in that I knew things about or that I knew they know things about me. Oh, that's going to be a lot different story than the stranger. But the one that I know things about and they know about me, the scripture doesn't say, well, if they know things about you, you don't have to live peaceably with them. Or if you know things about them, you don't have, no, it says, as much as possible, with all people, live peaceably. Peaceably. I, I often go back to this, this story, the part of the story where Abraham and Lot had to separate themselves. If you remember it, it said because they both had many herds and herdsmen, and there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and the, the herdsmen of Lot. And Abraham and Lot decided, we have to split up. We can't stay together and continue living peaceably. The only way we're going to get to live peaceably is if you had one direction and I had head the other direction. Now, I believe there was wisdom of the Lord there that helped Abraham and Lot realize they were at that point in their walk. Okay, it wasn't just like, oh good, I can just stay away from everybody. Exercise like Abraham did, the, the, the distancing, and I won't have to get along with anybody. I'll just say, well, if there's going to be an argument, you head that way and I'll head this way. No, no, no. It had gone many, many years in the direction that it was with the leading of the Lord to the point that it got to. You understand? So we cannot just say, well, I don't like you, so you stay over there and I'll stay over here. That's not living peaceably. You understand? Peaceably means... Oh, Okay, I, I, I'm trying to get past this, but I, I, I feel the Lord helping somebody. Peaceably means what's going on in here, in me. Not what's going on here in an outward dialogue and conversation. Because again, like I said at the beginning, I can, I can hey, how you doing, hug your neck, pat you on the back, smile to your face, and appear peaceable and walk away saying, no, he still hasn't got that fixed yet, I can tell. There, what's, what's going on? Inside of here, there's not peace because of whatever's existing in that relationship. So I've got to get to a place where I can live at peace. Sometimes... The event, the words, the actions, whatever it is, they've already happened sometimes many, many years ago. And they're still disturbing me. And I don't have peace whenever I see that person or think about them or hear their name. I don't have peace with it. You know what? If that much time has passed, it's not because of the event. It's because of what the event has done to you. And that inner healing needs to take place to get you to the place where you are now able to live peaceably. It doesn't say you got to hold hands and skip through fields, you know, of lilies and sunflowers. Oh, we've achieved this. No, it just says you got to have peace in your spirit. 
and then you have to be able to live peaceably with them. Everybody with me? Now, the, the, next, the next phrase of the next verse helps us understand this and whether I've achieved it or not. Avenge not yourselves. I just, uh, I, I, I'm waiting for the right moment to say the right words that I know is going to help me in this situation feel better about the way that I was wronged or the way that I feel. I, we, we, I don't know where this phrase comes from, but we call that speaking our peace. I just have to speak my peace. No, you do that and you're going to lose your peace. I just need to give them a piece of my mind. No, you're going to lose the peace in your mind if you give them that. But we think, I've said, I got the words right here, and as soon as I get the moment to say them, I'm going to say them. If you've ever been there and you've ever said it, then you realize saying it does not solve anything. It just prolongs the issue. But to avenge myself means I know some, in, in some form a type of punishment needs to be served to the other party. And I'm going to make sure that it happens. Sometimes, I'm guilty of this one, sometimes it is, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. What is that? That's me trying to avenge myself. They, they hurt me. They made me upset. They did whatever. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the thing that I can control most and not talk. I'm just going to avoid them or stonewall them. I'm just going to cut them off. What is that? That's me avenging myself. That is not the Holy Ghost, my friend. You want to know what is the Holy Ghost? Just keep reading. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Now, hang on. Give place to wrath. That doesn't mean, all right, just go get angry with them. And No, give wrath here is the wrath of the Lord. Allow the wrath of the Lord to handle the problem. And you will live peaceably. If you trust the Lord. If you really have that relationship with the Lord. Because... I also don't get to be his secretary and say, hey, by the way, you got an appointment at 2 o'clock to mess up that person. Because, you know, you got the wrath thing coming. And so uh, I haven't seen it yet. When is your wrath going to hit them? No. Give place unto wrath, meaning let the wrath do what the wrath does and you not control it. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Give him the opportunity to do what he does, and he will do it far better than you ever could. Amen? Peace. There's peace in there. That's how I can live peaceably with all men. 
even the ones that I think, boy, you got something coming to you. I'm just leaving that to the Lord. Vengeance is His, and He knows how to repay. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about David a little bit, and um, one of the Psalms where he wrote that my, my feet almost slipped, well nigh slipped, you remember that? And then the, the, the point of that chapter that he wrote was, until I got in the sanctuary of the Lord and I saw their end, considered the end of that person. Well, this is a similar, very similar mindset to what David portrayed in that passage. I'm not worried about what's happening with them today or tomorrow or the next day. I'm preserving my peace. Everybody say peace. I'm preserving my peace. I want you to look at, okay, one more setup scripture, and then we're going to dive into a story. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 35. 2 Samuel 22, 35. These are the words of David that we were just talking about. This whole chapter, uh, 2 Samuel 22, it's actually a psalm. Uh, written and recorded by David but in there and he talks about the Lord did this for me and that for me and he saved me here and he fought for me here and he won this victory all it's just a recording of how awesome the Lord was for David but here in this verse he says David says he teacheth my hands to war the Lord teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken in my arms. He says that even if that bow is made out of steel or metal, I can still shoot it because that's how well he's taught my hands to war. That's, that's the place to which the Lord has strengthened me that far. Everybody say these hands. He teaches these hands how to war. I will remind you, this is the same guy that was little David that killed Goliath. He taught his hands. The Lord taught his hands how to fight a battle, how to win victory. If you study, and we'll look at a little bit of this tonight, the life that David was ending, once he was getting well on in his years, we see that he was not just a fighter, not just a, a, a clever boy with a slingshot, and not just a soldier with a sword either. He had wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. David had wisdom from the Lord, and he always sought the Lord on how to fight, when to fight, where, who, if, all those things. He didn't just... Well, I'm a soldier, so I'm going to fight somebody. No, he let the Lord teach him how to war. The word teacheth there is actually train. He trains my hands to war. Training is like you actually will go through events, and then after you try it, you realize, did I learn it or did I not? Anybody take a typing class before of some kind? I think I had mine in about the... Eighth grade-ish, somewhere in there. And we were typing, 
We were learning, and back in my day, they had that little shield. It was like a little paper thing they put over your hands. And typing was really easy until you couldn't see the keys anymore. And all of a sudden, that's backspace because I did it wrong. And then you type it, and then you, you look at your score, and you say, oh, I missed this many words. What is that? That's training. That's training your hands to type. The Lord, David said, the Lord trains my hands to war. Everything that I do with my hands is the Lord training me. He's going to take me to this stage. We're going to find out if I pass or fail. Then he's going to take me to this stage. We're going to find out if I pass or fail. And he's going to keep training me, keep teaching me. Because, everybody say, I am a soldier. I am in a war. David knew that. He teaches my hands the war so that a bow of steel is broken in mine arms. Now, I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to do a little bit of reading, and not, not a lot, but there's a, a few stories here that circle around the life of David, and we see some of his training play out here. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 5. This is just as David is, is about to die. He's talking to his son Solomon, who's going to be the next king. And he shares this little bit of training with Solomon. 1 Kings 2 and 5. I'm reading from the Good News Translation. David says, there is something else. You remember what Joab did to me by killing the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. You remember how he murdered them in time of peace as a revenge for the deaths they had caused in time of war. Now pause there. Let me reiterate what he just said. Remember Joab, this, uh, just picture, picture David well on in Egypt, on his deathbed about to die, and he's got his son Solomon there, about 20, early 20s is his, his, his age at this time. And he's saying, Solomon, we have some unfinished business to take care of, and I've got to pass it on to you before I die. Joab, Joab has been my commander of my armies for many years. And we've fought a lot of battles together. We've won a lot of battles together with the help of the Lord. But there's two things that he did that brought reproach upon me and the Lord. He did some things the wrong way. I, I would have you know tonight, you can do the right thing the wrong way, and that makes it wrong, not right. Joab was a, was a general. He was David's commander of, of the army. Well, these two men that it mentions, they were also generals. Abner, he was the general of Saul's army. Amasa, he was the general of Absalom's army. That was very short-lived. We'll talk about that in a minute. But go back, if you would, to Abner for just a second. Abner, he was in charge of Saul's armies. This is when Saul was still king. And Abner, he goes and he kills Joab's brother. 
His name was Azahel. Joab thinks nobody kills my brother and gets away with it. It says it right there in that verse. For revenge, Joab goes to kill this man. It wasn't on the battlefield. It was in an approach, in a time of peace, as the scripture called it. And he goes and he actually embraces him. And he kills him that way. David says, Solomon, son, we don't do that. That's cold-blooded murder. And the Lord has told us for many years, for many generations, thou shalt not kill. He killed. He broke the commandment of the Lord. And in doing so, he brought this evil, this reproach, upon me as his king and upon the Lord as his God. And furthermore, that's not the only time he did it. You know what it did, though? It brought a defilement. Go back to where we talked about the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. It brought a stain upon him and me as, my, as king and on our nation. It brought a defilement. But then, rather than repent... Rather than change, he thought, I can kill people and get away with it. I'm still the commander. David has not replaced me, and I, I took care of that business. Then the next one, if you remember, I just really quickly, Absalom was David's son, and he had decided to become king illegitimately. Absalom's king, he's got, what was his name? Amasa. Amasa was the general that Absalom... Uh, there's there's got to be a little bit of a, a, a hurt, disappointment in, the, in, in Joab's attitude. He's the general. Uh, Absalom takes over as new king, but the new king doesn't say, all right, general. He gets his own new general, Amasa, and decides we're going to rebel against the Lord. We're going to rebel against the Lord and the, and the Lord's king. Long story short, Joab decides, well, I'm going to put an end to this guy like I put an end to the other guy. I'm teaching these guys, you better not raise up against the Lord and his king. I'm doing the right thing. You're doing it the wrong way, which makes it the wrong thing. If you remember, Amasa, he's... He's on the on he, he's he's plotting. That's the word. Amasa's plotting against David because they're trying to overthrow. Joab says, I can put an end to this really easy. I, I know where he is. I'm going to schedule a meeting with him. This is not a time of war. Again, this is a time of peace. So he goes, meets him on the road, embraces him, kills him, just like he did the other one. I want to say, in fact, that King James puts them both, says he did it under the third rib. This is, this is a guy that knows how to fight, knows how to kill somebody with one blow. And he did it both times. Now, fast forward again to David talking to Solomon, and he says, Solomon, what he did is not allowed.
He killed innocent men, and now I bear the responsibility for what he did, and I suffer the consequences. You know what to do, David tells Solomon. You know what to do. You must not let him die a natural death. He had done the right thing, but the wrong way. He was trying to take revenge. And revenge is not something that's ours to take. If we don't learn anything else tonight, please learn that. The Lord is the one that takes revenge. Amen? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the last passage I want us to look at tonight. Some of you men that were here a few weeks ago at men's prayer Saturday morning, you heard a little bit of this. I want you to see it in the scripture. 1 Samuel 31, verse 3. Again, we're looking at David, the one who was being trained. He says, he teaches my hands to war. Sometimes part of warring is knowing when not to war. Joab didn't know the difference. If Joab would have went back to David and said, King, you know what these guys are up to. Let me just take about three men with me so it becomes a legitimate time of war. We'll go and we'll fight them and we'll do it the proper way. Well, David knows there's proper and there's improper. 1 Samuel 31, verse 3. This, we're going to read just quickly about the death of Saul. Again, in this other translation, it's easier to read and listen to, I think. It says, The fighting was heavy around Saul, and he himself was hit by many arrows and badly wounded. And he said to the young man carrying his weapons, Draw your sword and kill me, so that these godless Philistines won't gloat over me and kill me. That's, a, that's pretty heavy right there. But Saul says... I can't be taken captive, so just go ahead, son. End it for me. But the young man was too terrified to do it. So Saul took his own sword and threw himself on it. The young man that saw that Saul was dead, the, the young man saw that Saul was dead, so he threw himself on his own sword and died with Saul. Does everybody see that? Verse 5. Let me read that King James real fast so we get all on the same page. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. Now jump down if you will. We'll go to verse, keep reading, verse 6. Um, this is a report that's being given to David. By It says it's an Amalekite that comes and tells him, this is what, I, I saw this. He, he's, he's bringing the news. It's, it's all a lie, first of all. Okay, don't, don't get uh, too confused. But he's bringing David this news about Saul being dead. And he tells him, well, that's what happened. That, what we just read is what really happened. This is what he tells him. 2 Samuel 1, verse 6. This is David now finding out from this Amalekite. 
2 Samuel 1 and 6, the young man is talking to David. He, he says, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and I saw that Saul was leaning on his spear, and that the chariots and cavalry of the enemy were closing in on him. Then he turned around and saw me. Okay, this, this, this kid is just fabricating left and right. We just read what really just happened, right? Saul realizes, I, I, I'm mortally wounded. I need to just die here rather than be taken captive. So he asks the young man to take his life, his armor bearer. He doesn't do it, so he takes his own. Does everybody agree that we just read that's what happened? Now what this guy says they're not even close. I mean, he, he kind of heard maybe some bits and pieces or he, or he made up this stuff, which happened to be similar to the truth. But this is what he says. I saw Saul leaning on his spear that chariots and cavalry of the enemy were closing in on him. Then he turned around and saw me and he called to me and I answered, yes, sir. He asked who I was and I told him I was an Amalekite. Then he said, come here and kill me, for I've been badly wounded, and I'm about to die. So I went up to him and killed him. He, that's what he says. So I stood upon him and slew him. This guy is just a joker, I tell you what. He, he, he's not even telling anything near the truth, but he's trying. He, well, you'll see in a minute what he's trying to do. He's, he's telling David, I did the admirable thing by taking the life of the king, of honoring his wish. Because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. I took the crown that was on his head, the bracelet that was on his arm, have brought them hither to my Lord. Jump down to verse 14. Again, you can think you're doing the right thing. But if you're not doing it the right way, it's not the right thing to do. David said to him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of his men and said, Kill him. Whoa, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Uh... You know that, that, that story I told you about how I got this crown and, and these armbands? Well, I, I, I might have I got a little bit of those details a little bit wrong because I'm not, I, you know, I'm not sure if he is actually dead or not. You know, now that I think about it, I just see this kid backtracking. You know, because I, 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 I really, I, I, I kind of thought he was, maybe he was breathing a little bit. I'm not a doctor, okay? You know, I'm not really trained in, in this field. I'm an Amalekite. I'm not even one of you guys. So um, if you don't want this, you, know, you just take the crown. Just take it. Take the armbands. I'll be going. You understand, David doesn't know anything different than what he's being told right here. And this, this guy thought he was going to go and get some kind of reward for what he did on the battlefield, or really for the lie that he told on the battlefield. Just this little side note. I'll give you what I think happened by putting these two stories together. Because if you go back to the other one, it says the next day the Philistines did go to the spoils. They found Saul. 
hate to be graphic, but they took his melon and, uh, and some other parts and, and hung those. Nothing is said about a crown or armbands or anything. So what I see, I think is what happened, this Amalekite stumbling through all these uh, casualties decides, hey, that's, that's like a king's crown right there. I think this is, and he takes it, the crown and the, the armbands, and decides, I could probably get something for these. Now understand, I'm not trying to add to or change the doctrine or whatever. I'm just seeing how it went from day one to day two and how he literally had these things in his possession but did not do any of the things that he said he did to get them. What did I start by saying? Cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. If there was a message that needed to be received by that young man, the Amalekite, it was, Sir, young man, you've got some things in your spirit you're looking for a reward that's not yours. And you're willing to fabricate, that's a fancy word for lie, you're willing to lie to get something that's not yours to begin with. What you ought to do is cleanse yourself from that. So what, this is what da why David had to tell Solomon Get rid of Joab. We've got to cleanse ourselves from the defilement that he brought on our nation. Let me finish this story really quick. David called to one of his men and said, kill him. The man struck the Amalekite and mortally wounded him. And David said to the Amalekite, you brought this on yourself. You condemned yourself when you, when you confessed that you killed the one whom the Lord chose to be king. I'm almost done. I just got these two last statements I want to make. When we look at ourselves and determine, is there any filthiness of the flesh or spirit in me so I can do like what the scripture says and cleanse myself from it? I see two, uh, there's, I got two key areas that the Lord has illuminated. The first one is lying. Not telling the truth. We talked about this a little bit last time. The, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If it's not the whole truth, it's a lie. If you know the whole truth and you omit part of it. Right? Now, I'm aware it feels like it just got about 10 degrees warmer in here. I don't think that's by accident. The Lord is talking to us. And he's saying, cleanse your... You know what? One-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds start doing this. It's just a part of human nature. So don't feel like, oh, I, I, I'm just a, I'm a rank sinner and I'm the worst of the worst and I don't deserve to live because I've told a lie. No, that just means you're human and what you need to do is instead repent. It, folks, if it's in the Bible written by the Apostle Paul to the church, 
then why would I be so full of pride and egotistical to think, I got my lies under control. Everybody else, yep, I hope you read that verse. Me, I'm going to deal with mine right here, my way. Uh, I'm not trying to be crude or, or rude or any of that, but we have to be honest with the Lord. So this is the first area. If, uh, lying is never the right thing to do. It's not. The second one, and I remember a, a point in my life where a, a man of God that I respected and was hearing from the Lord at the time, he told me, sowing discord is never the right thing to do. Never. Everybody say never. There is never, ever, ever going to be a time where the right thing for you or me to do is go and say an ill word against my brother or my sister in the Lord that's going to drive a wedge between the person I'm talking to and the person I'm talking about. It's not... Scripture says these things the Lord hates, and one of them is he that soweth discord among the brethren. Sowing discord is, I'm going to talk to you about another person to affect your opinion of that person. Sister Juanita, you won't believe what Sister Elena did the other day. Now, I love her, but, you know, this is just wrong. I'm just making this up, okay? Don't get nervous. I'm giving you a real-life example. I saw her. Ooh. Somebody wants to hear where I saw her. <laughs> no, I... And, and I know she wasn't doing the right thing. Now, I... I know that we go to church together and you love her and I love her and we want what's best for her, but just between you and me, no, it's not. It easily, quickly gets between her and her. It's not between you and me. It's to affect what's between you and them. That is sowing discord. And there is never a right time to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record right now as saying this, and I want you all to hear me and know that I've said it. If you ever question something that somebody else is doing and it's disturbed you and you've got some issues and you need some understanding and help with that, please talk to me about it. Don't go to the, the left or the right or the front or the back. Don't find somebody and say hey, uh, you seem pretty smart about this. Uh, you probably have even seen it yourself. The Lord wants to help us tonight. You realize that two people could see the same thing, and with, by miracle of the Lord, they're not perceiving it the same way. The Lord is giving them the perception he wants them to have, 
And if I go and say, wait, 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 no, no, you need to know that it was actually this. What am I doing? I'm stepping in place of what the Lord is doing in another person's life. And it's with the intention of sowing discord. Now, I, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't know of anything. I'm not trying to subtly address anything. So don't be like nervous like, oh, he thinks that I know. Nothing like that. I'm trying to share the scripture. The Lord's trying to share his word with us tonight. Why? So that I could do like the scripture says, cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Sometimes you do nothing wrong and you get defiled. It's not, it's not often, it's not the most common, but it happens. You could be as innocent as the day is long, and somebody with the wrong intention comes to you and says, Brother Vance, I would just need you to know about blah, blah, blah. He was innocent, but my words just defiled him. So what does he have to do with that? He has to do what the scripture says. If, he's, if he now has defilement in his spirit, he has to cleanse himself of that. Not convince himself, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't doing anything wrong. No. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close here tonight. I believe, I believe what the Lord is sharing with us tonight is equally about helping us tonight with whatever has happened before in, in our past individually and preparing you and I for the days ahead. The Lord wants to help us I honestly believe the Lord wants to help us. He wants to grow us, mature us. The scripture says that offenses must come. But woe unto him by whom the offense cometh. What that tells me is, my brothers and my sisters, you're never going to make it through the rest of your life without ever being offended by someone, something, something. It's some, something's going to happen, and you will be offended in your spirit. Not like, oh, I can't believe he did that. No, I, I, I'm talking about a, a word, an action, an event, a feeling, something that comes into your life and you wish it would not have happened because it upset you and the Spirit of God in you. That happens. Woe be... So it says, and Jesus also told his disciples, in the world you will have tribulation. Don't expect to get through life with no problems. 
I don't know. I don't know if that really ought to be preached without us being ready to hear it. But it's the Bible. Tribulation will come. Trials, testing will come. But this is why David said, He teaches my hands to war. I can't be like Joab. Every time I get offended, I got this. I'll take care of it. I know how to fight. I can be a warrior. I'm strong. I'm tough. I'll deal with it. No, sir, no, ma'am. Let the Lord teach you how to war. Did you know back when they had it right, the kings would call the prophets and say, should we go to war? And the prophet would say, yes or no. And the king would do yes or no. I mean, it's not really more complicated than that. That is a depiction of a right relationship with the Lord. You ask him and he will tell you. You don't ask him and you just do, then you will be asking him. You'll be asking him for forgiveness, generally speaking. Would you just look at the person next to you and say, I love you? And now I want you to mean it. Not like we were talking about at the beginning, you know. I, I, I love you. There was an old song that we used to sing, You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. I'm not going to lead you in that tonight. But we need each other in this. I need your help. You need the help of the person next to you. And we, when we are striving together towards the life that the Lord has for us, we can reach it. Would you just close your eyes and pray with me, Lord Jesus? God, I want to be right before you. I want my spirit to be right, Lord. I want my attitude to be right, God. I want my words to be right and pure, God. I want them to be pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. Cleanse us, O oh God. I pray that you take us to a place of cleansing, Lord. I believe that it is through your grace, God. It is by your grace that you would wash us and cleanse us. And Lord, it's with your help, God, as you illuminate things in my life that would be filthiness of flesh or spirit, God, that you would help me that you would help me, Lord Jesus. I'm leaning upon your grace, Father. I'm leaning upon your grace, O oh God, for a cleansing work in my life. God, I don't want the stain. God, I don't want the defilement in my spirit. Jesus, but I want to be clean, right, and pure with you. In the name of Jesus, Father, help me. Father, help me, I pray. God, I want to be right with you. I want to be right. I want to be holy. God, as you are holy, I believe it is your desire for each one of us that are here tonight, God.
God, if I've got offense in my spirit, Jesus, I want you to help me with it. God, if I've got offense in my spirit from things that have happened in the past, God, or words that have been said in my presence, God, I want you to help me deal with it accurately. Help me to deal with it correctly, God. Jesus, I don't want to carry that offense. God, I don't want there to be bitterness in my life. Jesus, I trust you with it. In the name of Jesus, God, I trust you with it. Lord, I know that men and women are not perfect, God. Jesus, I know that sometimes we look at someone as an example and then they fail us or they let us down, God, by trying to do something but doing it the wrong way. God, I pray that you help me right now. God, I pray that you would establish your spirit in me. I pray that you would establish a right spirit, a right understanding, God, that you would touch my mind in the name of Jesus, that you would touch my mind, O oh God, so that my thoughts would be honest and true and correct, God. Lord, in your name, Lord, in your name, in the name of Jesus, come on. Why don't you just keep praying? If you want to come to the front and pray, this altar's open, but I feel the Lord is doing some work in some people's lives. I just want to allow for this, what the Lord is doing. God, I surrender myself to you. Jesus, I give myself to you, O oh God. I know that you will never leave me or forsake me. God, I know that all of your ways are true. I know that all of your ways are perfect, God. God, I'm not looking to the left or the right, Jesus, but I'm looking unto you. God, I know that you are faithful. God, I know that you are true and honest. All of your ways are perfect, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would help me. Help me to grow, O oh God, into the right measure, into the right stature, which is the fullness of Christ. Lord, I want it in my life. God, I want to be as you are. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to have your nature formed in me, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, if you want to find somebody to pray with, that would be in order right now. You can find someone and share with them, minister to them. Let the Lord help you. Come on, we're the body of Christ. And He desires to, to minister through His body for us to minister to one another. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.